All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote the video, and participate in the conversation. For the month of February, we are sixth in the Locked On College Network on YouTube. So our YouTube channel is doing very well. They like us very much. They always send me graphics and things like that. Um, I do appreciate that. Anyway, this came in after I recorded the first two segments, but I figured you guys needed to know Brian Berg has been hired by Ole Miss as an assistant coach to Chris Beard. Um, He coached with him at Little Rock and Texas Tech before going to Georgia Southern. Um, So we'll see exactly how that goes. And the rumor is yesterday Al Pinkins was on campus. Um, a, A friend of mine has direct knowledge of that and has seen exactly how that is. So uh, I, I think Al Pinkins and Brian Berg, that's like the leaders in the clubhouse to be assistants, but we'll see how it stands for with win case and how that goes as well. Anyway, I'm here with Derek Vandegrift. We're going to do our weekend preview about the Vanderbilt Commodores. How you doing, Derek? Doing good, man. How about you? Man, I'm doing pretty fantastic, honestly. Um, there's a story out of the World Baseball Classic and I just It's not Ole Miss related at all, but it's just kind of a cool story. But there's a Nicaraguan pitcher. He's not a professional. He's not listed on any North American professional league. But he made the Nicaraguan national baseball team. Mm-hmm. He went in. His name is Duque Hebert, I think. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but it's there. He came into the ninth inning, and I think it was a 6-1 to Dominican leading game. So it was just basically garbage time. Get the kid a moment. You know, send him out there yeah. to pitch. He proceeded to strike out Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and Rafael Devers back to back to back in the ninth inning and walked out of that stadium that night with a contract from the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Did you say this happened yesterday? Uh, yes. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and tie Ole Miss into it then real quick because Lance Lynn pitched for Team USA yesterday, so – there's our World Baseball Classic, how we can kind of tie this all together a little bit, right? Even though yep. that's not who he played, but still. Uh, but, yeah, that's incredibly impressive for somebody that hasn't pitched in the major leagues before. Those are obviously three world-class hitters, three of the better hitters in the major leagues. Uh, and I am I know two of them are lefties. I think maybe all three are lefts. Can't remember if Rodriguez is lefty or not, but I know Soto and Devers both are. Uh, and he's a right-hander, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that's incredibly impressive. <laughs> yeah, and it's a chance to where um, one of his first stops, A-ball, is 15 minutes up the road. So, there's a chance I might actually be able to go see this guy pitch. Um, so, I'm looking forward to that this yeah, summer yeah, to see yeah, how it goes. Through. Yeah, yeah, you've got to get up there and see that, man. Anybody can strike those guys out back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. He's uh, He's got to have a pretty special pitch in his repertoire somewhere that uh, folks just aren't picking up would be my guess. Yeah, he's got he's got some stuff. He's got some stuff. Anyway, two Ole Miss to the weekend series with the Vanderbilt Commodores, the number three Ole Miss Rebels, defending national champions because we have to get that All in right. at the beginning. Yep, uh, plays time. the every the week. number six Vanderbilt Commodores. I play, I think that's at Hawkinsfield in Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, this is going to be probably the biggest game of the weekend, not for Ole Miss, just in college baseball. Period because this is a three-versus-six series. Um, Jack Doherty is probably going to take the hill to start off. Tell me a little bit about Vanderbilt. Bring me up to speed on the Commodores. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, obviously a really good baseball team. They're not ranked six in the country for nothing, right? Uh, but they're a team that kind of struggles hitting the ball a little bit, which is kind of weird. You know, of course, you always think about them pitching. Of course, they've got the pitching. You know, there's always going to be guys that you see pitch for Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament that have logged three and four innings all year uh, that come in and throw 97, 98 miles an hour out of nowhere. And you just think, man, where did this guy come from? Uh, so they're always loaded with pitching, but they, they, they usually hit it really well. And it's a little different this year because they're really not. Uh, they have one everyday player hitting over 300 on the entire team. Uh, obviously, guys that don't play near as much, don't get as many at-bats. There's a couple of them over 300. But the Duke transfer playing right field, R.J. Shrek, he's the only guy hitting over 300 for him. He's hitting 317. Leads the team in average home runs, doubles, triples. Uh, he's kind of doing it all for him right now. Uh, obviously, he doesn't lead the team in RBIs because nobody else gets on base for him, uh, uh, apparently up there in Nashville. So, uh, but, but, yeah, he's swinging it real well. Uh, kind of digging into this team, one thing that really caught my eye, uh, everybody knows about Enrique Bradfield Jr., right, the, the great leadoff hitter and center fielder for Vanderbilt. Nobody's ever watched him play. You've got to tune in Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and see this guy play. He's absolutely uh, – a treat to watch run down balls in the outfield. And if he ever gets on base, he is an absolute menace on the base paths. But he's really struggling this year, only hitting 239. Uh, he's actually been caught stealing three times already this year after being caught, I think, either six or seven times in his entire career at Vanderbilt the last two seasons. He's uh, stolen 93 bases with seven caught stealings the last two seasons going into this year. He's a guy that can absolutely – uh, raise hell on the base paths, you know, if you let him on. But but he's not able to get on base for whatever reason this year. So I started doing a little bit of digging on him, kind of figure out what's going on with him because he's got such a good skill set uh, that, that has been cons- as consistent as he's been so far in his career really struggling like this. There had to be a reason for it. Uh, so I started digging into a little bit of some analytics a little bit, see what's going on with him. His his bat- BABIP uh, is, is way down this year. Uh, it's at 254, I think it is, going into this weekend. Uh, so I started doing a little bit more digging, trying to figure out what the reasoning is for that. Uh, his ground ball rate is pretty much on par for where it's been the last couple years. And a lot of times, for people that don't know a lot about analytics, your big power hitters and stuff like that, you want them to have a really, really low ground ball rate, right? Because there are usually some really big guys you want them to hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, that's not Bradfield's game. Uh, he's a speedster, obviously. You want him to hit it on the ground, and you want him to hit line drives. You want him to keep the ball out of the air. Line drives are fine. That's not a big deal. That's where you're making the optimal contact, splitting gaps, stuff like that, uh, and not giving the outfielders a chance to get underneath the ball. Well, one thing that's killing him so far this year, his line drive rate the past two years has been 16.5 and 16.6%. 
that's all the way down to 7.1% this year for him. So he, he, he's not making that optimal contact. He's not driving the ball into the gaps like he had been doing the past couple of years. And his fly ball rate was 34.5% and 30.5%. And that's all the way up to 393 so far this year. So a big jump in fly ball rate, big decrease in line drive rate, even though he's got the same ground ball rate. I think that's why you're seeing the big discrepancies in the BABIP, which is ultimately killing his batting average right now and, and not allowing him to get on base the way he's usually able to do. Uh, you know, last year he hit 317, year before that 335. And like I said, he's down almost 100 points from his freshman year right now down to 239 this year. But make no mistake, it's a guy that can absolutely kill you if you mess around with him. Walking, for example, right? We've talked about walks so much this year for this Ole Miss pitching staff. Throw the ball in the strike zone. If he's going to hit pop flies and fly balls for you, you take it because we've got the outfielders out there that can run these balls down. Don't walk this guy because if he does, a walk can turn into a triple in a hurry with him. He's he's that good on the base paths. He's that fast. He's that, that athletic. And uh, as much as we hit the ball to try our damnedest, keep it out of center field because there's nothing in there that he can't run down. Just a really, really good player for anybody that hasn't seen him yet. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of surprising that he's struggling a little bit this year. But Vanderbilt being sixth in the country with that team struggling offensively the way they are, they must pitch the heck out of it. Yeah, 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 they do. Uh, kind of a little nightmare flashback for Ole Miss fans right now. If you remember the name Carter Holton, right? The guy that started that Tuesday in Hoover when Ole Miss thought we had to have that win against Vanderbilt opening the SEC tournament to get in to a regional last year, right? And, uh, you know, he was that freshman lefty, you know, that, not the one that had only pitched a few innings all year. He, he did pitch a good bit, uh, started a lot of midweek and a lot in the, like, Saturday, some Saturday, uh, Sunday roll for him. They just kind of used him where they needed him at. And he's a guy with a really, really live fastball. And he come in, he shut Ole Miss down last year. And that Tuesday in Hoover, uh, he's the ace of the staff. He's going to start Thursday for us here. You know, he's the Friday night starter. But he's the Thursday starter, sophomore lefty, 221 ERA. Uh, quite frankly, I think he's been a little bit lucky, though. Uh, I think Ole Miss can get after him. He's got a 90% strand rate so far this year, which is incredibly high. Uh, he's got a 113 whip, so he's allowing runners to get on base every inning. The problem is the hitters at the plate aren't taking advantage of it and driving those guys in. You don't see a strand rate as high as 90% like he's done so far this year. That's eventually going to come up. It's going to bite you, and hopefully it bites him this Thursday night when the Rebels come into town because he's going to face an offense that's absolutely relentless. It ain't going to chase pitches. That's one thing we've been so good at when you go back and look what we've done so far this year. We, we don't go outside the zone or outside our comfort zone. Um, you know, if we get a favorable, just say, 3-1 count, for example, we're looking for one pitch in one area. If we don't get it, we spit on it, go to a 3-2 count, and then we open up our zone and protect it top to bottom, east to west, and then, you know, we, we attack it from there. Um, but, but we don't go outside of the zone very much, and that's one thing that's really helped this offense be so deep top to bottom all year long. So that's one thing he's going to have to navigate. If he allows base runners, then this is the kind of team that can really get to him and, and, and finally – kind of hammer that strand rate down a little bit because it's absurdly high right now. Yeah, and, and this is the game that I'm thankful for the Purdue series and the timely hitting that Ole Miss had to do to get that sweep, that extra inning with win. 
Um, coming yeah. through late in the game on Sunday, that is actually going to help them because timely hitting is going to be more important. It's going to be more honestly demanded now that SEC play has started. And you've got like Vandy and then Florida and then Arkansas. And it, it, it is it is stupidly hard. Yeah, A and M, LSU, Mississippi yeah. State, Georgia. Hmm. I mean, it just doesn't end. You know, it's uh, in, in an incredibly difficult schedule. Uh, but that's one thing that Mike Bianco and the crew did going into this year is they made sure that they scheduled teams to get us ready for this, right? You know, uh, Nebraska's a really good team. You know, they're, they, they're one of the top five teams in the Big Ten. It's, it's, as a matter of fact, it's a team that beat this Vanderbilt team up in Minnesota when we had that tournament up there. Um, Nebraska ended up getting, getting on Carter Holton a little bit and ended up beating him that night. So, um, yeah, this is a battle-tested team. Uh, we, we didn't just sit here and play cupcakes all the way through. You know, we, I know we had Delaware there to open, open the weekend, but then you talk about four games against Maryland, getting Nebraska, uh, already played Southern Miss in a midweek. You know, this, this isn't a team that's just had nothing but cupcakes so far this year and just kind of walked through it. You know, we've, we've earned everything we've got. They're battle-tested. They've seen some really good pitchers. Uh, Savical from Maryland, obviously. I know we've talked about him twice already on this podcast this year, but that's a, I mean, that's an SEC level arm. He could step in for any SEC team and, you know, step right into at the very least a Saturday role for any one of them. He's that good. And we faced him twice already, you know, and finished one and one against him, really beat him up that last time. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a schedule that, uh, I think was put together really well to kind of lead up to what we're going to face in this early SEC slate because these next six weeks are just absolute bears for us. Yeah, and you know, to change the subject just a little bit and going back to that Purdue series, have you what what is the highest exit velocity you have seen? 118 has to be up there, right? Man, I'd I'd have to go back and look. I I'm pretty sure Kemp topped 120 last year. There was one ball he hit over uh, the left field playground and everything else went out into the parking lot that I feel went like 121, 122, something like that. It was absolutely insane. Which that guy, everything he touches, I mean, he could swing without a bat and just hit it with the palm of his hand and it's going to go 105, I think. Well, the funny thing is with Kemp is he it's not like a cricket paddle he's hitting with. It, he's not hitting oh, with no. a flake. So he is squaring up a round bat with a round ball. Which that's, right. that's unbelievably impressive, and these are yeah. these are Division One arms coming in, and he's hitting the ball that hard. I mean, it's un- unbelievable, honestly. Yeah, 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 and it's also really, really impressive the way they do it too. I mean, I'll, I'll jump over to Calvin Harris for a second too, but you know, you go back to the walk off Kemp hit. Obviously, it was opposite field, but how many hits do you see Calvin Harris go to the opposite field too? Right there. They're able to stay on any pitch as long as they need to and react and still barrel it up. That's what's so impressive. You know, if you sit there and sell out and try to guess for a fastball in or third or, a, you know, a change up low and away, something like that, and you end up getting it, then you just guess right. Then, yeah, you can barrel it up. But you can tell they're up there identifying a pitch, coming out of a hand, identifying a location, and still getting a barrel on it the way they are. It's incredibly impressive. And we do it top to bottom, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Groff does it a lot. You know, he's he's been incredible for us. Calvin Harris, T.J. McCants has really come into his own. That kid is absolutely crushing the ball. That's that's the one guy I'm so happy for on this team, the way he's playing right now. He's hitting everything inside. And, uh, you know, 
Purdue guy, he, uh, the, the coach got a little scared to camp on Sunday, so he sat there and walked him four times. Don't he got the Barry Bonds there treatment, yeah. Yeah, there ain't no chance I'd have thrown him a pitch mm-hmm. either, but then you turn around you still got to deal with Calarco, McCants, and those guys in behind mm-hmm. him, you know. And I mean, that's what makes this team so special. Uh, I, I was talking to a guy earlier today, and he asked me, do I think that this offense is better than last year's? And I never hesitated, yes. Yes, th- mm-hmm. this offense is better than last year's because of how deep it is. Like, that's what's incredible. One through nine, if you try to take a break, if you try to pitch around a guy, something like that, the guy right behind him is going to pick him up, and he's going to drive him in, and he's going to make you pay. Um, and we truly have that one through nine right now. I mean, look at Leger, you know, batting in the nine hole for us the day he had Sunday, right? You know, he kind of struggled a little bit with the bats, been really good with the glove. You know, that's kind of my worry coming into the year. Uh, but but he come up with some big hits for Sunday, and then he, he's down in the nine hole. And Chatney was down in the nine hole earlier in the year, and he's hit so good, he's moved up to sixth and seventh. And uh, but but right now the guys down at the bottom part of the lineup are swinging so good, it's hard to keep them there. But now you're having trouble fi- figuring out where you can move them up to. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch uh, these these guys. They're just absolutely relentless, one through nine. And I, I'm not sure I've seen an offense this deep, and that's what makes them so fun. Um, the pitching uh, for for Ole Miss right now, uh, you know, we've got Jordan Vera pitching against Jacksonville State, so that tells you that there's a bigger role coming for JT Quinn, right? You saw him come in in big moments this past weekend against Purdue and, you know, kind of started thinking in the back of my head, you know, this is probably something you're going to see a little bit more just because of the lack of arms without Elliott and Maddox right now. And once I saw that the pair was starting on Tuesday night, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, all right, well, Quinn's about to get that expanded role into the weekend now. And, and quite frankly, it's an arm we really need. I'm happy to see it. And hopefully Bear can hold down the midweeks from here on out and JT can take on the bigger role out of the bullpen yeah that's a nice promotion for jt um going in there and i imagine they want they have an idea with a certain pitcher they want to pair him with as the long reliever that for two or three innings so it'll be interesting to see exactly how that goes my guess is rivas i'm not sure about that um i think he would pair pretty well with um rivas i'm I'm thinking maybe Sonier just because you're not getting a lot of length out of him right now. Like Doherty, you're at least getting that five innings. Then Reva showed you this past Sunday he could give you six. Uh, so so you're not having to bridge as much to get to Mason Nichols one way or another. Sonier's been so shaky with those really bad one or two innings per start. Really running up that pitch count would be nice to get JT in there to be able to spell him if we're able to. All right, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Baseball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. I said college baseball, I meant basketball. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Derek, thank you very much for stopping by today. Everybody that's watching the show, join our subtext community. It's online. The link is in the description. Um, I, I'm, I, we're trying to figure out exactly how we want to do it, but it's a way for you to get your time back and still follow Ole Miss um, sports at the fullest. But for Derek, I'm Steve, man. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Hotty toddy.